So in the Gospel of uh, Matthew, chapter 25, starting with verse 31, it says, So when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, When did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty or give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of even the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. So we read this passage not too long ago in a, in a message that I gave back in October or so, and I, I shared with you how this passage just haunts me, because it's so provocative, right? I mean, Jesus is saying all of this in the context of talking about the last days. He's, he's talking about the fact that you need to be ready because you don't know the time or day that Jesus is coming back. He's talking about the world's coming to an end, so you better invest your life in something that has meaning. And then he goes on to tell the parable of the talents, which is all about investing yourself in such a way that you make your life count for something. It's incredible. It's powerful. But that Matthew 25 passage haunts me like no other passage in the Bible because it forces you to ask yourself, Have I done enough? Am I doing enough? Is there something more that I could be doing? Feeding the hungry, giving the thirsty a drink, providing clothes and shelter, and visiting those who are sick and in prison. Who are these people? What more can I do? What does God expect of me? Who are the least of these? And can really... Can one person really make a difference? So as I, um, as I look at the history of Westridge over the last, coming up on 18 years, I think, this year, um, I've always been proud of the way that this church has responded to accepting people and people who have needs and have really gone out of their way to make a difference in people's lives whenever a need has arisen, and I, I, I love that. But I don't think that we've ever in our history taken the time to create what I would call a coordinated, comprehensive vision for how we as a church are going to impact the world. And it sounds big and broad, doesn't it? We're going to impact the world. And I, We've kind of taken a a pretty fragmented shotgun approach that more responds when things come our way rather than taking a deliberate offensive 
that goes out and intentionally makes a difference in certain ways. And, and part of the problem, I think, and, and you know, this partially falls on me, is that philosophically, we believe in empowering people versus enabling people, right? So, in other words, we want to give somebody a hand up rather than a hand out. We don't want to do something that will cause more harm than good where we enable somebody to stay stuck in their victim position to the point that they're never empowered to get up on their own two feet and to rise above their circumstances to live the life that God has for them. I'll give you an example. I mean, I, I have a 30-year-old son. I know that I don't look that old. But, you know, if I were to have allow my 30-year-old son to live in our basement and, you know, we let him eat all of our meals, and we wash his clothes, and we keep gas in his tank. What incentive does he have to like go out and get a job? Right? He's living a pretty posh life. He has no incentive to go out and try to make it on his own because we're enabling him to stay stuck in the basement. The same thing can apply to outreach. If we continue to give handouts, then a person is never going to make it on their own because they're just going to be looking for the next handout and the next one and the next one, and we're just putting band-aids on what is a pretty big wound. And so we want to empower people versus to enable them where we're contributing to their lives in some way that gives them a boost, a step, help them get that first step back into a new life. The problem with that is that so many times we're so afraid of enabling, we're so afraid of somebody who is, um, you know, scamming us as a church or who's not telling the truth about their circumstances, that we then swing the pendulum to the other side and we do nothing, right? We're immobilized in fear, which is also the wrong thing to do. And so our goal today is to lay out what we believe is a comprehensive outreach strategy to really take on Matthew 25 as a lifestyle and make an impact in such a way that we are empowering people to stand on their own two feet and help them to get on to a better quality of life. So this outreach strategy that I'm going to lay out for you today is a three-pronged approach that has truly kind of evolved pretty naturally over the last 18 years, but it finally just all clicked and fell into place for us over the last few weeks. And I'm pretty excited about it, to be honest with you. And I'm so excited that we put a pause on the series that we're in to you know, share this with you, and then we'll go on with the series next week. But I think, I really believe this, if we can execute this plan, that I think that we will make an incredible difference in the world to the point that I think that it will affect so many people's lives that we will never ever know the true impact that we've made because the ripple effects will be so great. We'll never be able to quantify it. It will become bigger than us. So what I'm going to do today is to lay out for you each of these three strategies and let you know how you can get involved today in a very practical way because Matthew 25 should not just be haunting me. I wanted to haunt you. I want to drag you into my nightmare and I want us to be in the trenches together making an impact on the things that we want to accomplish. So 
With that, let's start with the first one. So the first strategy um, really started from day one here at Westridge, and that is how are we going to impact the people in our own congregation? Right? I mean, we, we want to be a church that's all about supporting our own community and making a difference in the life of the person that may be sitting right next to me who is in crisis and I don't even know. From time to time, we have people who are part of Westridge who fall on hard times, either financially due to some change in circumstance or emotionally due to some loss of a close family member or divorce or, quite frankly, just a million of other possibilities that are out there in the world that cause hurt and pain. And so in response to that, over the years, we've developed teams of people to support people who are in these different needs. Teams of people from Westridge, and so we call these impact teams. And kind of the overarching impact team that we have here at Westridge is called the Compassion Team. It's led by Lisa Wollenberg. She's a member of our leadership team. You may have seen her up uh, from time to time doing announcements and and welcome. So under her leadership, and she's an incredible leader, um, under her leadership there's about four or five different ministries that function under that. The first one is benevolence that's led by Liz Cusper. And anytime we get a call from somebody who's in financial need, um, you know, down to, hey, I, I don't have gas to get to work tomorrow, or I don't have groceries to put on the table, or whatever. She assesses those needs, and she's there on the front lines making sure that people's needs get fulfilled. We also have a meals team led by Jennifer Massis and Marilyn Dilling. Now, one of the cool things about this story is that Jennifer herself, uh, she had a brain tumor where she went and had surgery that took her out, I think, for several months. I don't think I'm making that up. And um, the compassion team really stepped in and made a huge difference in her life to the point that when she got better, she wanted to pay it forward. So she became the head of one of the ministries in the compassion team and is making a difference in the lives of other people. I mean, that's exactly what you want to happen, right, in terms of how ministry evolves. Uh, We have the prayer team that's led by uh, Connie Bowman. So when you do your weekly prayer requests or if there are prayer needs or somebody needs prayer at the hospital, she oversees that group of prayer warriors who are there for you, praying for you all the time. Then we have uh, kind of a cool ministry, Cards Ministry, which was born out of Jenny Bentoncourt trying to figure out what she was going to do with her life as far as um, how she could use her personality and gifts to make a difference. And so she's a very artistic person, and it really came out that this card ministry became this beautiful thing that has evolved where there's a group of people that she leads who, um, you know, makes cards, and whether you're in the hospital or whether there's a loss or whether it's kids' birthdays, this team uh, puts out cards all the time. There's cards that, are, that the team has made that are in the uh, cafe that you can buy that helps support the ministry. But it's a really cool ministry of how somebody got creative with how they can use their gifts to best serve God and make a difference. Beyond that, then, we have a Live Free ministry, which is led by John and Amy Spuick. Uh, John and Amy, you know, this, is, this gets back to the whole idea of empowering versus enabling, right? So if somebody comes to the church in a financial crisis and we step in and help them, we want to make sure that it doesn't happen again. And so John and Amy helped them to create a budget and helped to them to save and create an emergency fund so that this doesn't happen and repeat itself in the future so that it is indeed empowering and not enabling. Now, I just want to stop there because one of the needs, so I'm going to just give you immediate needs that we have all the way through this message. So if something rings true for you, there's tables set up in the lobby where you can respond today. So one of the things that we have a need, there's like three or four of us families 
in the church that when somebody falls on hard times financially, that we step in and we contribute money to them and we help them out. It'd be really nice if there was like 10 or 20 families that did that on a regular basis, that we could have permission to call you and say, you know, there's families in crisis, can you help out? So there's a list in the back that you can sign up for to make a difference and to help people who fall on hard times who are part of the Westridge family. Uh, Then we also have the Stevens Ministry, which is uh, led by Greg, and this was all designed to uh, help people who are in emotional crisis, and it really just has people who will just sit there and listen and be a sounding board for people who are going through emotionally difficult times. So as you look at this slide of all of the things that are going on here at Westridge, it's the thing that I love about it, it's pretty holistic. I mean, it really is a holistic approach to really meeting the needs of people here at the church, and so without a doubt, We are really the strongest here on our home turf to support our people and our community, and it's a beautiful thing. And, and, you know, if you haven't experienced it yet, every single one of us goes through crisis at some point or another in our lives, and every single one of us will be touched by these ministries at some point if you're part of this community. So today you have an opportunity. If you want to serve, if any of these uh, ministries click for you, feels like that's something that you're passionate about, then there's an opportunity to sign up at the uh, table with uh, Lisa in the lobby. So you have an opportunity to do that. So that is strategy one, which is here at home taking care of our own people. Strategy two is targeting the city of Elgin. I mean, we want to you know, take that next step out of our own four walls and really impact our own city because there are needs right here in Elgin that we can make a difference in. So um, we've taken on two initiatives right here in the city of Elgin. The first one um, has been great because we're actually partnering with an existing organization called PADS. It's a nonprofit led by uh, Laura Caravu. And we're uh, partnering with them. So we've taken on, there's a lot of churches that are partnering in PADS. We're not the only one. There's a lot of, of churches, which is great. So we've committed to do the second Sunday of every month where we donate food and serves meals. There's about 11 people serving the ministry. After first service, a guy came up to me and said, I'm a direct beneficiary of PADS. It has changed my life. I'm now back on my feet and, and living my life. And that's the story. I mean, that is the empowerment story that you love to see, that, that PADS has made an incredible difference in somebody's life. Uh, the second initiative is the one that we've created here at Westridge, and this is the one that we're taking on, which is Huff Elementary. Um, we've taken on this initiative where we're taking on this little elementary school on the east side of town. And it focuses in on not only the students, but also the teachers and the families of the kids that attend that school. Because Huff has a lot of kids who attend that school whose families are below the poverty line, right here in Elgin. They don't have the means to buy a winter coat. The parents don't have the ability to buy presents for the kids on Christmas or to get a turkey on Thanksgiving. In late 2011, we, we had a teacher who was coming here who was from Huff who became a Westridger and she just made us aware of all of the opportunities. And so we responded quickly by doing some of these holiday meals and winter coat drive and all of that. The response was so overwhelming from both the school side and the church side. We knew we had to take it on a more strategic level. And so we have now partnered with that school in a a very strategic way. So we have um, worked with uh, Dr. Angie Ernst, who is the principal there. And, you know, we've done a lot of things from providing food over the holidays, coats for uh, the winter, 
Uh, we do weekly food backpacks for those who need it. Uh, Kids Hope, I'm going to talk about that in a minute, which is a new mentoring program that Westridge has started. One of the cool things is, I don't even know who stepped in there, but somebody went into the teacher's lounge and said, this place is like a pit. And the, the school did not provide them the resources to be able to do anything into the teacher's lounge. And so somebody came back and said, hey, we really need to renovate this place and do something for these teachers who are on the front lines every day. And so we stepped in, our team stepped in and redesigned the teacher's lounge, donated new furniture, appliances, paint, everything, and made it a beautiful space so that those teachers could have a nice space to be able just to, you know, take a break. And so it became a beautiful thing. So each and every one of us, I think, has been blessed by this partnership. It's great that we have this partnership with uh, Westridge because um, there's always a little detail that comes from you. And I remember the biggest detail that um, was, that impacted me is when I walked one day into the teacher's lounge and I saw how beautiful it was. And I felt so happy and so proud that someone or a group of people remembered us and did something for us that was to make us feel really good about uh, being teachers. We've had an outstanding relationship with Westridge for the last five years. Um, it's been an Im- amazing um, experience for myself, for our colleagues. As I've learned how important this relationship is, I realize that the impact it has on every single child um, has changed the, the, the environment, the school environment. When I see parents coming in for an evening and they're able to walk away with a Christmas tree that they didn't expect and you have the student come in the next morning and say, Mrs. Delamora, we put up a Christmas tree this weekend um, and asking them, well, did you have a Christmas tree? No, and we even put up the decorations. Um, that excitement, that enthusiasm that they come with that stays with them for the rest of the day, I mean, it really makes a difference. I'll see that they don't have they have a sweatshirt that zips up and that's their winter coat and so it's been so wonderful to know I'll tell them I have connections especially like the first and second graders I work with um, a lot of times they'll get really excited about things and they'll say guess what Mrs. Goff we got food for whatever the holiday or, or the meal is and and they're so excited it's so wonderful to see when they don't have to worry about something like food or a warm coat. They can just focus on learning. Westridge is working as a team to help this team out here and as part of the community it's just amazing. I'm receiving a backpack and I received a coat this school year. It's pretty helpful for me because all my jackets are really thin and right now it's pretty cozy. Um, thanks to Westridge, um, they gave me a jack, uh, jacket. It's helped me a lot, yeah. and my kids. Yeah, yeah and they're so happy this, this um, Christmas yeah. with their presents. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh.
That is a beautiful thing, isn't it? So that's the impact that you've been having so far. And now we're taking it to the next level where we're really stepping up our partnership and becoming even more intentional than we've been in the past. So uh, we just started Kids Hope, led by Susie Geltner, which is a mentorship program at Huff. We have four mentors from Westridge who meet with kids once a week for 50 minutes during their lunch period. These kids need to know we care. And we could use a lot more mentors who are there letting these kids know that we care about them. Uh, we have a backpack team led by uh, Jenny DiCiola, and she is the leader for a team of eight people who go to Huff Weekly, and they pack food into backpacks every week for 20 kids who are in crisis who would not have food in their homes had they not gone in there and, and packed these backpacks. I mean, it's incredible. Uh, we have Shane Paul. Shane runs, I call it like, he runs free safety. So like whatever the heck comes up, like somehow he got some line on somebody giving Christmas trees, and so he mobilized people like in a day, had Christmas trees at Huff Elementary, and kids got to take home Christmas trees to their families. I mean, it was insane. Uh, But the food boxes that we do for the holidays and the turkeys and the backpacks and the winter coats, that's all happening. So the new initiatives that we're taking on this year... um, we, uh, and again, in the, there's a table in the lobby. You can sign up for any of these things. We're uh, going to take on uh, rehabbing their playground. The playground has become unsafe in some particular areas, so we're going to make the equipment that's unsafe safe. We're going to bring in some new equipment, some new landscaping. We've already had some people donate over $4,000. We think it's going to cost somewhere between ten dollars and $15,000, so we could really use people who not only will uh, support it financially, but also will volunteer to help be part of that team. Uh, there's about 12 kids out there on a table that need uniforms. So we need people that will grab a tag at the Huff table, go out, buy a uniform, bring it back next week so that those kids can have uniforms that their parents can't afford uh, to buy. And then um, we're also taking on a couple housing projects this year where we're actually going to do work days. So we're going to ask people to take a, a, a vacation day or you know, some time off of a, a busy weekend and really pour into doing some repair work for some families that we've identified who have needs around their home. So you can sign up in the lobby for these and, and, or financially invest in some of these initiatives. So I have never seen a partnership like this between a church and a school. And it's so, to me, it's so fulfilling that there's this trust that's been built, Right? We're not sitting there trying to cram Jesus down their throat. We're not telling the kids that they have to be a Christian in order to get a coat. We're just giving the way Jesus gave. And that's the way it should be. And so we've been able to develop this trust and this partnership between Westridge and the school that is absolutely beautiful. Third strategy. We wanted to do something internationally. And so um, we've decided to go to Nicaragua. Uh, You may remember I shared with you a few months ago that my wife Shelby and I, we bought a second home in Nicaragua, and the whole idea between her and I was that we would buy a home in a beautiful location in a third world country where we could make a difference. And as I kind of roll out of the business world that I would like to do more and more impact stuff, 
And so we were going to set up our own little foundation in a place in Nicaragua where there was an incredible need, get involved in the community, but not just to give, but to become part of the community, that our family would become part of the community. And so uh, my wife and I decided to set up this little foundation to do work down there called Nika Angels. Uh, We called it that because I'm in the investment world, and when you make an investment in a new startup, you're called an angel investor. So we wanted to become angel investors with a cause where we could do some startup work out in the rural communities of Nicaragua. And after I talked about that a few months ago of what Shelby and I were going to do, there was such an incredible response from the church of people who wanted to be involved. We talked about it as a leadership team, and we decided to operate that uh, foundation out of Westridge to become a part and an extension of Westridge. So it's a partnership between... uh, So Shelby and I basically... We, we funded the start of this foundation, and we've already begun work down there. Um, so Tecaloste is about a mile from our home, and we've actually hired this amazing uh, young guy. He's actually a surfer dude named Stu. Uh, he's from El Salvador, but has taken up residency in Nicaragua, and he has a passion for community development and for people, and he is the boots on the ground for the Nika Angels Westridge initiative, making it happen every day and brings new opportunities to us all the time. So uh, Tegaloste is a a small rural village of about 150 people that would be completely ignored if it wasn't for the fact that we just happened to own a home close to there and they had a big problem. They didn't have access to clean water. Their water was contaminated and the people of the village, especially the kids, were getting sick. And so our first project was to go in and clean out this well, rehabilitate it, tear out all the pipe, put in all new pipe, put in a new pump, seal it, and sanitize it so that they would have clean water, which has been, you know, an awesome thing. But now that we've done that, we've really kind of adopted this little village, and so there's a lot more initiatives that we want to take on if you want to take a look at what we're doing in Tecaloste. Uh, school in Tecaloste, and this is where we're going to start the Nika Angels project. So we're going to work on an expansion of the school to include a computer lab, a place where they can prepare food for the kids, new toilets because the outhouses are in a bad state of disrepair, new fencing for security, and then we're going to make sure the kids have plenty of equipment and educational Uh, tools in order to be able to get all their studies done. The uniforms, the crayons, the pencils, the notebooks. So I really hope you'll participate with us in trying to make this a very special place that is uh, an extension of Westridge in Central America. Thank you for your help. Most of those kids won't make it past the sixth grade. And we want to let them know that there are people who believe in them and who are willing to give them the opportunity, the hand up, to keep going. To let them know that there are people who give a rip about those kids. 
Stu, who I said has been working for us, he shared he had a little community meeting. He knew that we were going to present this today. And so he told the people in the village that, you know, we were going to do this presentation. And he sent me a text yesterday saying that all the people of Tecalos, they wanted us to know that they were praying for us. And that what we're doing is helping to empower them to have a better future. That they know that there are people in the United States who give a rip about them, who care and are compassionate. So we have a couple of uh, work groups that are going down there um, that are going to be working on the school expansion that I just talked about. Um, We also are going to be doing a uh, water expansion project. You know, now that they have clean water, everybody still has to go from their house with a bucket to the well, pump the water, put the water either on their head or in a wagon, take the water back to their house, and all they have for the day is the bucket of water that they've just gotten. So wouldn't it be nice to actually have water at their house? So we're going to take on trying to do a trunk line that will go down the middle of the road uh, two ways into the village so that people can tap onto that and actually get clean water delivered uh, right to their home. That's one of the goals that we're going to try to accomplish uh, this next year. Uh, you can just see one of the kids there from Tecaloste um, who is you know, doing his wagon down this dirt road. That's a daily thing. Every day. Every day they have to do that. So the things that you can do today that will make a difference is, um, first of all, uh, First Service actually bought all the shoes. We needed shoes for the kids, and so First Service actually bought all the shoes for the kids, which was awesome. Um, One of the cool things I didn't mention is that Westridge kids last week um, had a big uh, drive, and so all the kids in Westridge kids bought all the kids in Tecaloste backpacks. Uh, which is awesome. So we're going to pack those down and send them down. The, the first week in school in Tecaloste is in two weeks. They start their new school year. So that'll be very exciting for those kids. Uh, we actually um, had um, somebody in first service. We had a, a girl in a wheelchair who, um, who she needed a new wheelchair, and somebody from first service funded her a new wheelchair because her wheelchair is so bad she couldn't make it down the dirt road. So we need more of a BMX type of a a wheelchair to actually make it down with four-wheel drive. Uh, So we got her a new wheelchair out of first service. And then you can also sign up to become part of a future work trip. Um, So because some of those opportunities were uh, taken, there's the opportunity to invest in the water expansion project, if you're interested in that, or the school expansion project, if you're interested in that. Or we have a list of about 20 things that we're going to do for just like with the girl with the wheelchair um, to help people in the community who have definite needs where we want to step in and make a difference. So there's opportunities. So you can put your name on a list as, as opportunities like that come up. I, I, I do want to just brag for just a minute because I was really, really proud this last week. You know, we, we, were, uh, we were also going to raise money for uniforms for every kid. And, you know, you, you always wonder whether your own kids really ever listen and get the stuff that you're trying to teach them. Well, my... 30-year-old son, we brought him down to Nicaragua with us uh, over the holidays, and he was really impacted by the things that he saw and the kids. He was at the school and, you know, doing things with the, with the kids there. And when we came back, we asked him to do the graphics where he was doing a card for every kid, 
and um, to, so somebody could take and buy a uniform for that kid. And he was so moved as he was looking at face after face after face of these kids that he actually wrote a check for all 80 uniforms, which was awesome. I was a very proud daddy, by the way. Um, yeah. But I mentioned the uniforms because um, if you could put that video up. So one of the things we try to do is also to empower other people. So instead of going out and buying uniforms at the Walmart, we've actually hired this woman who lost her right arm in the tsunami 20 years ago, who can sew better with one arm than most of us can with two. And um, she's amazing, right? And so this, is again, is an example of where we can make a difference, where we now hire her to do a uniform for every kid in Nicaragua, which also then helps her financially to make, make it and to have her family make it. So whenever we can create opportunities like that, again, the empowerment versus enablement, that's awesome, where we can, we can help in, in situations uh, like that. So that is the, those are the three strategies that we're taking on and, you know, it's, again, it's, it's Westridge in our own community, it's our community of Elgin, and then we wanted to do something internationally for the very, very, very poor, uh, which we're doing in Nicaragua. And, and here's what I want to do, just to, you know, let you know this. I just want you to know there's a guaranteed use of funds, that 100%, if you give to any of these projects, 100% of that money is going straight to that project. It's not going to anything else. So whatever it is that you're passionate about, that you want to invest in, 100% is going directly into that project. So those are the three strategies, and we really believe this, that if we, can, if we can take on and we can execute on those three strategies really well, then we're going to be making a significant impact in the lives of people all over the world. And again, I really believe that the ripple effect from what we do will be huge. I mean, it will affect so many people. The best part of doing this presentation is there were things, because I just kept asking people what we were doing and what we were involved in. There were so many things that I had no idea we were even doing. I mean, it was awesome to see things that pop up that I had no clue about. People who are quietly in the trenches week after week doing things, contributing back, not drawing attention to themselves or the things that they're doing, just wanting to contribute back with their lives, trying to make a difference. It's awesome. As, as most of you know, I'm just a volunteer here. And I started Westridge. And... I started Westridge because I was just so tired of church as usual and what this whole church thing has become. And I just wanted something that is authentic and real and people who weren't self-absorbed or trying to fake it and trying to make everybody else believe that we're better than somebody else. Or I just want to be with a group of people who are real about our faith who are grace-filled, non-judgmental people who just want to give back. And we just want to contribute and make a difference in this world best we can. The least of these, as Jesus describes, they don't have a voice. They can't stand on their own unless we give them a shot. They can't speak on their own unless we speak on their behalf. And just knowing that you have no idea the impact of just knowing that people care when they receive some level of grace or small grace that we've contributed, the level of impact goes beyond this world. If you notice... 
Jesus didn't say in that passage on Judgment Day, he didn't say, well, why didn't you end world hunger? Why didn't you end extreme injustice? Why didn't you end poverty? In fact, it was Jesus himself who said the poor will always be with us, didn't he? I mean, even Bill Gates, which I greatly respect what he's doing in his foundation, and he has billions of dollars to work with. He can't do that on his own. But Jesus said, but did you not, did you not see that one person over there who needed a drink of water? Did you not see that person over there who needed clothes? Did you not see that person over there who was hungry? Did you not see that person on the screen who needed help? Making a a difference happens with one cup of water. One well. One child. One school at a time where we just do our small part in making a difference in the lives of the least of these. Because on that day, I don't want to have to ask, Lord, when did I see you on the street hungry? When did I see you needing a drink and not give you a cup of water? When did I see you where you didn't have enough money to buy clothes or shoes on your feet? But rather, I want to be driven by the mantra, whatever it is that I do, even for the least of these, I've done it unto Jesus. I know I laid out a lot today. And I know that a lot of us have financial constraints and time constraints with our jobs, but I think I've laid out at least 30 opportunities today where we can take away all of our excuses and find something that we can do in some small way to make a difference. And I hope that we can. And if you will just take the time to spend some time out in the lobby after the service and just explore the possibilities, I think it could be life-changing for not only somebody somewhere, but also for you. I know it's a lot, but I have to tell you, we got this.